Welcome to Talk is Sheep, a podcast by the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Join us as we cover conservation updates, tips and tricks to campfire chats. Howdy, sir. How's things with you? Another day, another, well, What's the exchange rate at right now? So we can't really say a dollar because I hear the our dollar's tanking. So who knows? <laughs> um, so you're over at the One Campfire booth at uh, Wild Sheep Foundation's uh, virtual event, the Sheep Show this week, I guess, eh? I am. Myself and Chair Jonathan Proctor. We're in and out of there all day, all week. It's 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 not quite the same as last year, but it's 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 different. You know, that's it's it's cool. But it's different. It's not quite the same face-to-face interactions we're having, but we are having a lot of cool interactions with names we recognize, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, uh, yeah, I agree. But there's more, actually, I'm more surprised, like, um, because you're seeing your buddies online that you don't normally connect with. Um, so, you know, when, when you go in there and you see the chat groups and there's different people that no, mm-hmm. people I wouldn't hang out with. And then um, because it's got your name and where you're from, uh, you're able to interact, and, and that's been a cool aspect. I didn't expect yeah. that. I, I kind of had an idea what it was going to look like, so I, I've enjoyed it. It's been cool. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Like I said, the, the best way to describe it is it's different, as you said. Instead of having beers around the table and pretzels with Peter and Joe, we're we're having two hundred people engaging in a conversation, and you you can hear each other, right? And that's yeah. for lack of a better term, you can hear each other what each other's saying. You're not screaming and yelling and going, "Hey, what's going on here?" Which, which is a cool point of sheep, uh, a sheep show, but it's, yeah, it's different. It's different, but I, I like it. I like it. Yeah, for sure. So this, uh, this show, we've got uh, Glenn Landris on. He's uh, mm-hmm. the vice chair of the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation. Uh, he's a teacher, which affected our podcast a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. But so there, there is going to be a bit of a headphone warning for those that are choosing to listen to this on uh, their headphones. You will hear some... Uh, some well they're, they're not bells like they used to be when i was growing up and in school there's some sort of weird bell digital bell type thing but they are they're going to be freaking loud if you're in your headphones so you are considered warned you're forewarned yeah absolutely, absolutely. Uh, great podcast with glenn glenn's uh you know very established hunter as, as we heard on the show um and uh just a great guy you know i had the opportunity to work with glenn now the first last couple of years and um, you're just always super positive and a great, uh, great leader in our wild sheep community and a uh, real fun listening, eh? talking, mm-hmm. talking about his, uh, yeah. and his different hunts and the ones that he's, you know, the ones that come to mind for him. Well, so yeah, it, it's, 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 it's a finaz now, but it wasn't to him at the beginning. No, right. No, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's <laughs> the thing is he, like, if you start looking at, uh, yeah, FNOS, yeah, exactly. Well, and you look at how many sheep he hunts he's been on, he's, he's, he's killed a lot of sheep over the years and, uh. But uh, no, very cool um, podcast um, regarding the society we're at mm-hmm. Wild Sheep Foundation Sheep Week. So that's uh, 
if you go over and you want to get uh, registration sheepweek.org um, they have registration we'll put that in the show notes um, and we're on there until February 16th so people can stop by see our booth um, and check things out see what's going on with the Wild Sheep Society BC yeah definitely speaking of things that are going on with the Sheep Society one of our raffles just sold out eh yeah, that sheep camp, uh, that was from Barney's Sheep Camp, uh, or Barney's Sports Chalet was a donor on that, uh, in, in conjunction with uh, Sitka Gear, Italian Sporting Goods, and um, and also Trevor Crothers donated that um, shoulder mount, sheep shoulder mount. Um, awesome raffle package. You get drawn for that, you're done. You're going sheep hunting. Oh, you got everything that you need, right? That is so fine. That's what you need, buddy. Um, and, <laughs> Walmart, Walmart um, to the top of a mountain, hey? Yeah. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, so that sold out and the rest of them are, are on fire. So I think everything's above 70% now. Um, we had a bump this past week. Um, so we've got the Grizz hunt is over 70 and animal punts over 70 and, uh, that desert hunt's not going to be around much longer. I think we're, we're well over 80% now. I'm not sure. As of three or four days ago. And we know we had a great, great weekend. So it's, yeah, it's, won't be around. They're all going to yeah. sell out once again, as uh, as we're hugely thankful for everybody that buys and sports wild sheep across British Columbia. It's 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 another great cause. So don't hesitate. You see our posts online all the time saying "Don't wait, don't wait, don't wait," and we're not just blowing smoke. These tickets are flying out the door. So get on them. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk just for a second about you. Um, you're. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why should we talk about you? We. We've um, we haven't we've kind of touched on it, but you're training this year for your first sheep hunt. Like you, you've got the bug, you've monarched up, you've lifed up. You're you're in, you're you're full in. So, uh, and now you want to go sheep hunting. So, uh, are you are you still training? What's going on? I know you got some gear over Christmas. What's and, and I think over the next podcast here over the next little while, I want to chronicle your journey a little bit too, sure. because you're a new sheep sheep hunter. Which uh, you know a lot of our listeners. That's a lot of the feedback we're getting people are asking questions mm-hmm. about that so um you know what how's your training going and what's going on with your gear well i'd be lying if i said that i didn't take december off so okay <laughs> well it, it's it, it I, I jumped on the treadmill a couple of times as you know before i i, I started hitting one of the hills around town and doing 8 to 11 12 kilometers a day and started off real slow and then threw 20 pounds on and then 30 pounds on onto my back and since since uh may or june I, i've dropped 50 pounds and it's uh wow uh, the, yeah the way i look at it is that's weight i can carry on my back now instead of on my front right um it's 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 been good it's been tough there's been a lot of uh, you hear about the mental aspect of going up a mountain and i'm kind of getting there where I, I can see right I'm, I'm not uh throwing a tent into the top of the university and sleeping in a parking lot and getting kicked out by security but I, I can see I can see the mental drive because halfway up a hill sometimes it it sucks, but it's okay. I'm halfway there. Okay, I'm three quarters of the way there. Okay, I'm there. Now I can keep going, right? It's just that little the, the little steps. If you don't look at it as the mountain you got to climb, you look at it as the next two hundred meters, and that's what I've been doing, and it's been helping. So, what what I found worked for me was uh, getting rid of the snacky foods around around the house in, instead of crackers reach reach for a carrot uh instead of a uh, we we don't drink much pop or juice in the in in the house even even with an eight-year-old there's the first drink we go for is water like big bottle of water right here in front of me for the listeners uh up my water intake 
decrease the food intake and just be, be making smarter choices about uh, what I put into my body food wise. So it's, uh, it, it's, I'll, I'll get there. I'll get there. And th as you said, the next step is the gear. And that's uh, why I bought my ticket for the Barney Sheep Camp raffle, right? It's for, <laughs> Glenn, did, Glenn did it for 20 bucks. Why can't I, right? Yeah. Well, that's, you got as good a chance as the next guy. So yeah, good for you, man. Uh, well, we'll talk more on that. We'll kind of keep our listeners yeah, sure. uh, in the loop because we had quite a few inquiries about that. Um, you know, we've we've had we've got quite a range of listeners, but I've got a lot of questions of, from new sheep hunters. So, yeah, I definitely want to chronicle your story a little bit. And a lot of the listeners yeah. or guests we're going to have on is going to they're going to be people that can give some guidance there too. You know, anyone that's mm -hmm. been on these sheep hunts can can give us some info on on yep. tips and tricks and that sort of one stuff. One of the one of the first podcasts we did with Clay Lancaster. It's just it 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 still plays in my head. Like when, when I said, well, if you could offer any piece of advice to a new sheep hunter, what would it be? And get a pack that fits. And right. that's, that's why I haven't jumped in with both feet with a pack. Cause I want to be able to try on a few and, and shop around, so to speak, and talk to those that have taken a Kafaru up versus a stone blazer versus a Barney's, uh, just everything fits differently. So yeah, there's a lot more to get into and I'm excited for it. Well, I think the key there, dude is, um, you know, having a pack that you can throw on, like, you know, um, you know, I, I seen that on, you know, hunting BC or whatever, back in the day, guys were like, just go and try some packs on, talk to some buddies, get some different packs. Yeah. Um, and they all, cause you know, I, I had a Everly stock, which is a great pack. This is yeah. no insult to them, but you know, on my first sheep hunt, it was a train wreck. I've got a picture should show it to you. I'll send it to you. You can just see the pain I'm in. Um, but the pack just didn't fit me quite correctly. Right. So um, yeah, for sure. It's finding that pack that fits, you put it on and it feels good. And it's good if you can get a buddy's old pack because right. then you can throw some weight in it and throw your boots on and you go, cause the thing is throwing an eight pound pack on in a store isn't going to do anything for you. You're like, no. Oh, that feels nice. Well, every pack feels good at eight pounds. That's right. And I, I found Let's see that what it looks like at 80. I, I bought a pack off of hunting BC, God, 12, 13 years ago. I, I, I paid a song for it. It was a, a former goat hunter. And he goes, I took it up a, a hill twice and it just didn't work for me. And I went, oh, hell yeah, it's a backpack. It's been great until I threw 50 pounds worth of salt in the back and went, okay, I see why you got rid of it. It, it sits on my floor. There's, I'm not going to do it. So, yeah, I see, I see exactly what Clay said, find a pack that fits. And I, it yeah. means fits with weight and fits with the way you can put it on and off and move and get around to your gun or grab a bottle of water or whatever. There's there's so much to a backpack now that I've, I've learned. and just from the research. So yeah, there's, there's a lot more we can get into over the next uh, series of episodes. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I just thought of that, that, that podcast with clay, we talked about boots and I talked about how, um, my boots were got wet and I had to send them back. And, um, and I got a brand new set right before my trip and, uh, you know, I hadn't broken them in and he was making fun of me, but these new boots are so darn good. So I, you know, our hike in was about 10 K heavy ish pack, 50, 60 pounds or whatever. We were only going for a five day hunt. And, uh, you know, my feet held up resoundingly well, you know, you get the right boots that fit and I've had good quality boots. I've had, uh, you know, I'm not going to throw anyone under the bus here, but I've had a bunch of different boot manufacturers and good quality boots, right? Not, not Kmart or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, they were good boots, they fit properly. And, you know, I, I had a little bit of, I had a red spot and that was it, but we put on some serious miles, um, and some put on some serious elevation. So, you know, it goes to show you, right. Obviously it. I would, I didn't want to do that. It was kind of, a, I had to do it, yeah, but I definitely went with the new ones and I was glad it was, it was the right call as opposed to an old set that I had that didn't fit me very well. And, you know, always yeah. caused me blisters. Right. So oh, yeah, it's so. just finding the right fit for gear. So 
yeah, and Glenn talks about that on the the upcoming episode about uh, what what feet look like when you bring the wrong gear, right? And and our friend Omer, he yeah. just did a he just did a post what a couple months ago, and it was like, wow, it looks like a grenade went off at a deli clamp counter type thing next to his feet, and just yeah, that would be miserable. So finding that fit, that's that's what I've learned and where where I'm going towards. So. Yeah, cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's call that a wrap for the intro. So this is episode 16. Uh, we're talking to Glenn Landris. Um, he's vice chair of the Wild Sheep Foundation, um, director, uh, past president of uh, Washington uh, Wild Sheep, and just a great guy. So great listen. Enjoy and uh, good times. If you looked up the words conservation superhero in the dictionary, you would see a picture of our friend Omer from Precision Optics. A tireless donor and supporter of all things wild sheep, Precision Optics, located in Quinell, British Columbia, truly stands alone in the high alpine. From optics to rifles to outdoor gear and a knowledge that cannot be surpassed, toss in that killer smile and you have a total conservation package. Precision Optics, we are truly thankful for the support you show us every step of the way. Find them online at precisionoptics.net or in Aroma Foods located just off Highway 97 in Quinell, BC. Good morning, Glenn. How's it going? I'm doing great. How you doing? Pretty good. So Sheep Week, uh, Sheep Week 2020, a little different than normal. Uh, 2020, yeah, 2021, I guess, eh? Um, bit, of a, bit of a weird one this year, eh? Yeah, it is. But, you know, it's pretty exciting. As a fellow director, we really didn't know what this was going to look like. But I'll tell you what, I was really excited when the platform rolled out yesterday. I spent a lot of time on it. And, you know, we'd all rather be in Reno. But when we can't be, I think that's a pretty good alternative. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, it's, uh, I have to say, WSF does, Wild Sheep Foundation does everything uh, top-notch, right? And this is no exception. Uh, this uh, virtual platform, like you said, it's a bit, it's a bit different this year, but uh, pretty, still pretty freaking cool. And uh, lots of cool stuff on there, great videos, and uh, just, you know, top of the top-notch again from Wild Sheep Foundation. So I love it. Yeah, it's yeah. been pretty cool. It's yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah way sure. to connect. That's what we're all missing, right? A chance to connect. Absolutely. Well, you can see it now on there too, right? You see all the guys in these chat groups and they're back and forth. And the cool thing is, is it has your name, right? All this other crap on like a lot of stuff online with forums, you're anonymous and stuff like this. But we're actually interacting with our friends on there. And that's what I've noticed. I didn't actually expect that. I expected we'd be doing stuff on there. But I'm connecting with buddies that I only see at Cheap Show, right? So yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think this year with like the seminars they got stuff, their seminar list is awesome. So, um, and a lot of the stuff is still going to be available online after Sheep Show. So any of our listeners that are on here that missed out on it, you can go back and, and watch all that stuff. And all the booths are still up and stuff like that too. So um, pretty cool. So um, when, when does it run to? Is it February 16th for the experience? Correct. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. going to be online there. So anyone, you could even, if you really wanted to, you can register after Sheep Show's over for any listeners and go back and watch all that stuff. And uh, uh, yeah, it's cool. And and like anything else, um, talking to Gray, it sounds like registration was last minute. So, you know, things were a little bit slow, but now we're seeing really good engagement, lots of people on there. And it's just fun. You look and the chat group's got, you know, a couple hundred people on there quite a, a lot of the time. So um, yeah, pretty awesome for sure. So um, so, Glenn, uh, you're Vice President of the Wild Sheep Foundation. Uh, you've been involved in the conservation arena for as long as I've known you, uh, but certainly goes back a lot further than that. Do you mind just giving us, uh, our listeners, a, a bit of a rundown on, on your sort of 
and actually, if you don't go, mind, go back, and I actually don't know the story. I was thinking about this morning. Uh, you know, you and I talk almost daily, but I actually don't know your story. You grow up in a hunting family. You grow up in a conservation family. How did that work, Glenn? Yeah, really hunting uh, oriented for sure. And uh, my grandpa took my brother and I through hunter safety when we were uh, really young. And so the, the outdoors is where, uh, you know, he introduced us to that. And that's where, where our passion for that. And then in, in 1995, I was 24 years old. The first time I ever applied for any sheep tag, I drew a permit here in my home state of Washington and uh, went out with my, uh, a few of my cousins and my brother. And, and we didn't know anything about sheep. Uh, you know, and they were great hunters, and, and uh, my, one of my cousins is the one that talked me into applying, actually. And so, anyway, we went out, fast forward to September 15, when the season opened, and, and we killed a tremendous ram on the third day of the season. Uh, gross 189, netted 188. And then, fast forward two months, and we had a, we had a disease episode uh, that ran, ran through... Uh, Hell's Canyon, including this in this unit, and so in about three months, I went from you know the joys of hunting and wild sheep for the first time and scouting bighorn sheep and all of the things that go with that, and then just to see it decimated, um, and so that's really what piqued my interest in wild sheep conservation, and and I got a hold of I actually spoke um, that November with a guy by the name of Dr. Rocky Crate, and Kyle, you may know that name. He's he's who the endowed chair at Washington State University is named after. He was a veterinarian from Washington State and a sheep hunter. And so when he passed away, he left his estate to start that endowed chair. And so he actually called me that fall to see how my hunt went. And he was actually the one that broke the news to me about, about the die-off. And so I didn't even, I actually called it FNAS. I'd never even heard of FNAS back then. And uh, so I ended up joining them. And the funny thing is, is I got one of their newsletters and they had an article in there. Of course, they were soliciting for directors. And so I sent a letter and I was a 24, 25 year old teacher at the time and I just said, hey, I'd like to get more involved. And I never heard a response. <laughs> and so, you know, fast forward a few years and I served as secretary for a while on that board and, and president of Washington chapter for uh, for 10 years. And then and I'm still on that board, but I've been a, a director for national now for uh, going on five years and currently serving, as you said, as vice chair. So. It's a big part of my life. I'm, you know, I, I learned. I was just hooked with the hunting part of it, and then when it, when we had that disease die off, um, you know, if it's not us, it's who, in terms of wild sheep conservation. And so we all have our part and uh, a role in that. So, I love it. Uh, that's awesome, Glenn. And uh, you've done so much in the uh, conservation arena. Uh, Washington kind of spearheaded some of the stuff that we all take for granted now. I think you guys were the first to come up with the life member drawing uh, for a sheep at your uh, life member breakfast. Is that, am I not correct on that one? Yeah, it is. We, we for a number of years, had a combined banquet with some other conservation groups, and, and we felt like we needed to kind of take the plunge and do our own thing again. And we, we just didn't know if anybody would show up. And so we'd been doing a members-only raffle, and we decided – Hey, let's just make it for life members and we'll, maybe we'll sell some life memberships. You know, we were financially sound so we could take the financial risk. And so we said, hey, let's give it away. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the impact has been across the other chapters and affiliates, but it seems like it's pretty popular. And it's a, it's a great way for there's nothing wrong with an extrinsic reward to get people into sheep conservation. That's what it took me personally was a chance to draw a sheep tag and go hunt sheep and go, wait, this is pretty cool. And how can I get involved with this? And so, you know, I think that's a it's a great way for all of us across, you know, the Western U.S. and Canada to connect 
with our, our members and grow our membership uh, by giving away that hunt. Yeah, really well stated, Glenn. And that's the thing. There's there tends to be a little bit of controversy about you know wild sheep management when it comes to these uh, you know these auction items and and uh, even some of the raffle. That, but the one thing about it is, um, you know, you're, you're bringing people in through this life member breakfast um, and giving something away, and um, you're getting people there, you're getting people involved, and um, and there is some cost to that, right? Quite often, we have to pay for these hunts and that sort of stuff, but uh, long term, the reward is much greater uh, because people are engaged, they want to be part of it, and um, it makes a big difference. And I, you know, I th- I think it's safe to say there's been millions of dollars raised across the country for wild sheep because of that concept, that life member breakfast giveaway for a sheep, um, sheep hunt, it's, uh, it's been phenomenal. So uh, hats off to you and Washington State for spearheading that. I know Gray talks about it all the time and uh, just a great concept and really, really effective. Um, so while we're on that, let's just jump into it. It's topical. Um, what's going on with the, we're going to drop this. Oh, well, that was a good one. Uh, um, we're going to drop this, uh, I think, on Friday. Um, Sheep Show's on right now. Uh, Life Member Breakfast is uh, Saturday. So um, talk about the Life Member Breakfast for the Foundation and, and what that's all about, Glenn, for listeners that don't know about it. Yeah, great. So uh, perfect timing for this. So, yeah, Saturday morning from 9 to 11 Pacific time, we have the Life Member event. And I'll be actually going down to Reno. We're going to have a stage set up and uh, everybody can get in and and watch that event. We have Adam Weatherby from Weatherby is our keynote speaker. We have uh, some patron sponsors that have helped underwrite this and we have a great list of donors for that. We have uh, Weatherby again has donated a rifle, Lancaster Archery and Matthews Bow, uh, donated a Matthews Bow. We have um, Huskamaw Optics, Vortex and the Wild Sheep Foundation with a bunch of great raffle prizes. We have the hat raffle donated by uh, or underwritten by Kuyu and Cryptic and Sitka Gear. So when you register for the Life Member Breakfast, make sure you get one of those hats. And with those, each one of those three respective um, companies, we're going to have a, a one thousand dollar floor credit drawing. Um, and then, of course, the the big uh, hook, if you will, is the La Pomosa Desert Hunt. So if you're a Summit Life Member, you are in for that. If you're a life member of Wild Sheep Foundation, you need to register and pay that $50 registration. And I'm not talking about the regular registration for Sheep Week. This is for the life member event. So you must be registered to be considered present. And uh, we'll do that drawing at the conclusion of our program on Saturday morning. So uh, it's pretty exciting. We're, we're making the best of it. I'm excited to have Lost you for a second there, Glenn. Um, Are we still good? You hear us okay? Yeah, I got you. Uh, lost, the, lost the audio on it. Um, it should be okay on here. Uh, so you, you just got up to uh, Adam uh, Weatherby. Um, we got all of it, the Lapamosa sheep hunt, um, up to what Adam Weatherby, and then uh, I, we dropped off there. So I think you were, I think we got most of it anyway. So Okay, good. Um, so, okay, so for our listeners, if they want to get in on this, obviously you have to be a life member to attend. Um, what do they have to do to get registered? What, what's the best way to do that, Glenn? I would go to sheepweek.org, and that's the main website for Sheep Week, and look for the, there's a link on there, and this was Kyle's idea, where we have kind of the one-stop shopping for everything Sheep Week, raffles, everything. And so if you click on that and you'll find the Life Member Breakfast registration, um, you can send me a DM on Instagram or Kyle one as well, or you can go to the Wild Sheep Foundation website, and there's links that'll take you there. So it's not too late to register. 
and again, I can't impress enough, this is a separate registration. Unfortunately, with the time crunch to put all this together, we weren't able to, to link our databases together and registrations together, so it's, it's listed separately. So realistically, if you're a life member of Wild Sheep Foundation, for 100 bucks, you pay both registrations. You're in for uh, tremendous opportunities for those two desert sheep hunts. So we hope uh, everybody gets in there and gets registered. Yeah, for sure. And Life Member Breakfast is such a great time. Uh, it's going to be interesting this year. I, I'm really excited. We're actually going to be live for that. You're going to be there. Uh, you do a hell of a job emceeing, Glenn. I really, uh, honestly, that's uh, one of my favorite parts is just the emceeing aspect of it and hearing you talk up there. And I have to admit that uh, Don, he, he brought some uh, entertainment as well last year. That was, uh, that was bloody hilarious watching him up there on the stage. So, um, yeah, good time for sure. It's going to be fun this year to see what it's looked like from a virtual aspect. I think it's going to be a great time. Uh, but the fact that it's live is going to be awesome too. And we're going to do that uh, live drawing as well. So yeah, that's the big thing. Get in. We'll put that in the show notes um, on how to register for it. Um, but it's important that people get in there and register. Um, it's not automatic. You got to get your name in the draw there. So fantastic. Yeah, it's easy. to. Um, yeah, awesome. Um, okay, Glenn, let's Let's jump back on the conservation bandwagon here um, with regards to um, Washington State. Um, so uh, you're involved with the chapter there, and you, you've been involved now in Washington. Is it what? Is it been 20 years? You said you were, you know, 24. You're, wait, you're 35 now, so 10 years. Uh, so you've been in a couple decades now. Um, you know, what are some of the challenges you guys have faced there in, in uh, Washington State? Obviously, there's the Hell's Canyon issue. You guys have had some die-offs. Um, I think there's some stuff going on right now uh, in, in your area there as well. Um, so, um, you know, what are some of the major challenges you guys have faced in, in the state and, and anything that's currently an issue in, in Washington for you guys? Well, we're not any different than any state or province that has wild sheep. So the disease issue is, is of course, uh, always either on the back or front burner. And right now in Washington State, it's on the front burner. We have a disease episode going in one of our California bighorn herds, uh, which is uh, has the most hunting permits of any of our of our hunt opportunities. So that's very disappointing. Um, and so we're working through that. You know, as part of the Hills Canyon, and actually right here where I live, our herd in the Asotan Creek herd was one of them that that was part of what's now called the Test and Cull. In in the aftermath of a of a mycoplasma ovin pneumonia die-off, uh, you know they kind of believe there's there's a few carriers that stay out there that continue to to perpetuate that disease, and so that was the 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 herd that they did this experiment on, and so they went in there and, and radio collared a bunch of ewes and uh, ear tagged some others, and then over about a three or a two-year period, they captured all of them three times. Any of them that tested positive. A couple times were removed and it was it's a small herd so there was maybe 30 ewes in there so it was very manageable and they were able to eliminate you know two or only two or three of these bighorn ewes that were that were positive and then they could show the results and so that's been uh, applied in other areas with other herds that have had that same kind of hangover effect uh, post disease episode so that's pretty exciting for you know for us in terms of of the future to see that that's going to work and it's maybe not applicable across all areas if you have a a large herd of a few hundred you definitely can't go out and capture all of them but the fact that we know that there's just a few a small percentage you know maybe fewer than 10 percent that are still positive uh, that could make a huge impact on on uh, wild sheep recovery 
Um, we do have some, you know, private lands issues and, and public lands. We only have one public land um, user, grazer of, of domestic sheep in our state. And um, so, you know, we're engaged with them. But as you guys well know, and anybody else, that's those uh, situations take a long time to, to, to migrate through. So, um, yeah, so those are, those are the big ones for us. Um, you know, and like I said, kind of see that in other other jurisdictions as well okay um so you over the two decades you've been involved with the conservation aspect of it you had that die off in that first year as that you experienced when you went on your first sheep hunt at 24 so what what have you seen over the last 20 years in terms of you know herd health and, and disease and and even uh you know i don't know what you guys how you guys are sitting for inventory if there's many studies done on on counts and stuff, but what, what would you say the state of the current state of wild sheep is, and, and how has it evolved over the last twenty years? What does it look like now? Well, that die-off was in Hell's Canyon, the Greater Hell's Canyon area was ninety-five and ninety-six, and I'll say, you know, I think the Hell's Canyon herds are likely the most studied anywhere. I mean, if you come up here and go through the canyon, you're going to see a lot of radio-collared ear tag sheep, and they're monitored very, very heavily. And uh, I was at a meeting. In, in December, and they shared with us it's the first time in Hell's Canyon since 1995 that there are no herds with mycoplasma ovum pneumonia positive animals. And so uh, it's 25 years. And so, I mean, to me, that's kind of the, the takeaway of it. It's taken 25 years to rid that um, of all these herds. And that's three different states. And some of these herds are, are somewhat isolated, so there's not a lot of crossover. Um, so, I mean, I think we're, in, in, if we can keep them clean, right, where it seems like we, we live life on a banana peel with these sheep and disease, uh, but I'm hoping for some great things. I spent a lot of time the last couple falls out and about and, uh, you know, see lots of lambs and, and good, healthy lambs. And, you know, the climate here is as good a place as any to raise sheep. I mean, I, you know, I could, you can go play golf on January 1 if you want you know I mean it's just mild weather these sheep can have green grass almost year-round uh, down on the winter range on the rivers and such so if we can keep them healthy you know it's a great place to to raise sheep lots of sheep and big sheep yeah that's awesome so that's a, a great very topical uh, um, subject you brought up there with regards to to big sheep um, you, you know you've been involved now you, you killed your first ram uh, 20 plus years ago um, so this year you're on a hunt. Um, you're a, an outfitter as well, uh, Bailey and Landris Outfitting, and uh, you guys are uh, doing a lot of great work there in uh, the Washington State. So uh, you're on a pretty cool hunt this year. Can you talk a little bit about that and uh, how that went about? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna split it up a little bit. We actually are pretty excited. We had we had a few hunts to do. We're low low volume high quality but we also had we started off we had a, a raffle hunter and then a uh, we had the auction hunter which is only for california bighorns in washington state and so uh in, on september 4th we killed a really nice uh california bighorn with kevin small at the auction permit and uh you know as far as we know is the biggest california bighorn taken in in the 2020 hunting season so it officially scored uh, 182 gross 181 and a half net um and whether it's the biggest one taken or not is uh you know beside the point it's just a tremendous tremendous ram so we we started off the season in, in a good position and then we finished up the hunt that you're referring to is 
right here in my backyard where I live in southeastern Washington and in one of the herds uh, that, uh, that the die-off of 95-96 actually started in and uh, we we got it open. It's been opened a couple times over the last 25 years for what we call our Rocky Mountain Bighorn Raffle which was started in 05. Uh, but anyway, so I found a ram last year and, and one of our hunters uh, bought his fair share of raffle tickets and was lucky enough to win it. And um, so it took us a while to turn him up. It's a, the season's open for four months, so we just opted to wait until later. And it was actually pretty exciting. You know, my business partner is also a longtime Washington WSF uh, board member and, and currently he's the vice president of that organization. And, and so we're passionate about hunting sheep and wild sheep conservation. And we were together when we turned that ram up uh, in November, on November 7th. And uh, we were both literally shaking because we knew it was one of the biggest rams we'd ever seen. And uh, the fun part about hunting is we didn't kill him until 13 days later. <laughs> but that's how it goes. Uh, so we haven't had him officially scored yet. So this podcast is kind of scooping the news. We don't know how that's going to land. Our current state record is 198 and six eights, I think. And, and we, we green scored this ram at 201, even gross, 200 and five eights net. Uh, but we won't have him officially scored until for about 10 more days. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, just a, just an awesome ram and great hunt. Our hunter's a good friend of ours and, you know, is at sheep show every year and a great wild sheep conservationist as well. And um, it was, it was really special. I mean, I just, I've been carrying a video camera for 25 years, you know, since I drew that first tag. And, and when you see animals like this, you know, they're just, they're an anomaly. They're a unicorn. And, uh, and it was, it was great. We, our hunter was super appreciative, uh, Gary from uh, Pennsylvania. And, and he, he realizes it too. He, it was, it was, it was fun. <laughs> we'll put it that way. I think it's pretty phenomenal, Glenn, that, you know, that, this story resonates with me because uh, I look at the, the work you put in uh, in the conservation arena. You've been in there for 25 years uh, giving to this resource, and now you've taken something out that you helped contribute to. You you helped grow that sheep, and we're a big part of that. And, and to me, this is a conservation success story. Um, it, it's interesting, you know, with all the challenges we have in our wild sheep world these days, um, we're still growing big sheep, and, and there's some healthy populations out there. We see that, right? So. You know, we got to take these successes and celebrate them when we can because they're, you know, if we sit there and get uh, a little myopic, we can start focusing on the disease stuff. And, you know, that a lot hasn't changed in 30 years in the disease world, right? We're still having these disease interaction issues and stuff like that. But there's a lot of really good stuff being done too, right? So um, to me, this is a story I, I want to share because I think it's amazing that, you know, you've been there uh, in the trenches for 25 years and then you get to be on this, this sheep hunt and guide this hunter to to possibly the new um, Washington state record. So pretty cool, man. And, and just hats off to you on your conservation efforts and uh, everything you do for wild sheep. It's awesome. Well, it, the situation's obviously far bigger than I am, but I think it shows what you can do when you have, uh, you have a, a, an organization, in this case, Washington Wild Sheep, who's passionate and have a, a bunch of volunteers that dedicate our time. And, and you have local biologists that you can work with and are, are passionate about um, applying some different things. And, and I spoke a few minutes ago about the test in coal. And so, uh, you know, to a little background on the unit where we killed the ram, we had one of our donors um, who donated a, a, a doll sheep hunt to Washington WSF, you know, I don't know, five years ago or something. 
and he wanted it to go to a first-time sheep hunter, so someone who had never hunted sheep. And so, at the same time, I was I was at these meetings, Hell's Canyon meetings, and we just were discussing. And I asked a question like this: one particular herd, there's nothing being done. There's out there's they don't know what the disease status is and this was the epicenter of the 95 96 die-off and it was really about resources right it wasn't that no one cared about it, it's just they didn't have the money so we took that hunt that that doug and shelly sayer donated and we sold t-shirts and the herd the the area is called black butte and so we we put a logo called back in black butte we sold the t-shirts for 50 bucks so if you've never hunted a sheep for 50 bucks you bought a t-shirt you were in for the drawing and we sold t-shirts to people who were ineligible we auctioned one for $5,000 um, and all of that money went to Black Butte. And so now if you look at the Hell's Canyon committee, tri-state committee meeting minutes, there's a committee called Back in Black Butte. And so they applied the test and coal there. And then here we are, um, you know, just a few years later, obviously this ram was already alive when we started those efforts, but he didn't die in the meantime, you know, so, uh, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot of, a lot of players. You know, everybody has a different role. Um, it, you know, it took some some passionate board members to make it happen, and some biologists to to consider the project, and and someone with some means to donate a hunt. A bunch of a bunch of people who had never hunted sheep, but we raised over forty thousand dollars that night selling T-shirts. And, and I think it's awesome that you have people who have never hunted sheep raise the money to save a sheep herd. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, absolutely. And that's the interesting thing about the wild sheep world is that there's just so many dedicated people that are so passionate about it. Um, and like you said, it takes everyone. It takes, uh, you know, our wild sheep leaders. It takes uh, donors. It takes and it takes our members and supporters. Right. Um, and that's a, a testament to our wild sheep community. You can sit there and, and sell a T-shirt and sell forty thousand dollars worth. And, and, and guys that guys and gals that aren't eligible to win, they're just donating. They're giving their five grand away because they're passionate about it. They believe in it. So it's, uh, you know, I, I've never seen this anywhere else on my sheep ship, my first show in BC that I ever went to here. I was hooked. I was like, wow, these people, these people put their money where their mouth is. They're passionate about it. And the cool thing I love about it, and you know, Gray's done this several times, he gets people to stand up that have never killed a sheep, right? And half or three quarters of the room stands up and it just blows your mind away. You're like, you know, there's not too many people that go to a big buck, um, you know, event that haven't killed a buck or, um, you know, and, so it's it's pretty cool. It's the cool thing I like about our wild sheep community. It's uh, and that's a huge success story there in Washington State for sure. So, um, Glenn. So on that conservation note, I know um, talking to uh, Larry Jacobs out of uh, Oregon State. Um, I think you guys have a, a tri-state uh, uh, kind of. Uh, initiative where you guys are working together on disease you have a representative that goes out and works in the domestic sheep world and talks to producers and uh is, is that washington state involved in that is that correct or yeah for sure and, and it, it's tied back into this back in black butte because we raised so much money and oregon raised money on their end as well that we had this surplus of funds you know beyond what they needed to do some capturing and collaring and testing and so we sat down and said, where's, where's our weakness? We don't have public land grazing in Hills Canyon in this area anymore. There's some um, further south on the Idaho side. But, uh, and so we, we realized the threat um, that can come from privately owned animals. And so the three states, Idaho WSF, Washington WSF, and Oregon FNAWS, as well as the three state game agencies came together to uh, collaborate and fund a, a, you know, this private lands uh, mitigator, if you will, 
to go out and contact uh, anyone that has you know domestic sheep or goats and do some you know if they're willing to do some testing or multiple testing and and educate and communicate and so we just finished our second year of that and we're looking at, at improving it making it better making it more efficient obviously the last nine months have been a challenge with covid and sending folks out to do some testing and so on so we're just kind of getting getting back on that on that track but uh, yeah so it's exciting and and we just had a conference call last week with with a bunch of the players uh, with that including a couple of local uh, native american tribes as well that that are in the area so um, yeah you know it's ho hopefully it's something you know we already want to apply the concept in central washington where our california bighorns are uh, right now it's the person's located down here where i live on the edge of hills canyon working in all three states so uh, not perfect we don't know it's kind of hard to measure the risk uh, or you know the risk that's being reduced um, and how well it's going to work but um, as you talked to uh, uh, the point a few minutes ago about the millions we spend in disease research i think some preventative expenses are worth it yeah for sure uh, have you guys received much feedback um, on sort of the you know, support you're getting from the domestic producers, you know, when you reach out to these um, individuals, is it kind of a mixed bag or, or have you got much feedback on that? Yeah, you're right. It's a mixed bag. It's, we have some that are, that are really good and open and you have some others that, that, you know, won't return your phone call. So, but it's about building relationships and, and, you know, I, for a living, what, what pays my light bill, I'm a high school agriculture teacher. So I have students raising animals and raising livestock and uh, you know we have a local county fair and, and all that so it's about building relationships to show people that you know our objective is not to put anybody out of business we just if we can figure out you know what's their motivation for having two or three sheep or, or domestic goats and can we maybe find an alternative if they're in a high-risk area because you know where, where we're at here in Hills Canyon if you've never been here is is you know the Mecca it's the biggest contiguous piece of wild sheep habitat anywhere so uh, it, those relationships take a long time to massage, and, and um, we just definitely help, hope to keep the program going, and, and hopefully we're going to reduce risk for wild sheep. Yeah, fantastic. And, and just the collaboration aspect, you got three states, you got three wild sheep conservation groups, you got three state agencies all working together, pooling their resources. Um, you know, I look at BC here, and, uh, you know, it, it'd be pretty challenging for us to uh, you know, we really can't, you know, partner with anyone really on something like that. We and we do have something similar in BC, but uh, you know, if we if we were going to try and cover all the province, it'd be pretty challenging. And like you said, you know, you guys are basically working that Hell's Canyon area, the northern part of the state's not. You know, you don't really have anyone up there. It's tough, right? It's a lot of land to cover and um, a lot of wild sheep to look after as well, right? So. Yeah, for sure. You know, we hope our banquet, like yours, was canceled uh, last March, and so we're hoping. You know that, that that's going to be the emphasis of some of our funding if we can kind of get this business model ironed out and and work with folks and build that trust and communication and then apply it in other areas that's our ultimate goal cool um so do you guys have a plan for 21 for fundraising are you guys having a show or what's going on there oh geez uh <laughs> who knows i mean we're we're unfortunately we we've always chosen the same weekend in march as you guys so i i haven't had a chance to travel across the border and drink some of your whiskey like you guys did at my house a few years ago but um uh, we we don't know right now our tentative date is is june 5 for an in-person convention but 
you know, things things in Washington State are are pretty tight, and so I, I actually I'm not sure how optimistic we are that that's going to happen, and it's it, we're going to have to look at doing an online auction and uh, trying to raise some funds. Alternative methods this year, I think, is really the safe thing to do. Yeah, for sure. And uh, do you guys have any raffles uh, on right now? Over and buy some or anything going on, or are you guys anything <laughs> coming up anytime soon? Nothing yet. I mean, it's funny that you mentioned that because our, our our raffle issues in Washington are a little bit of a of a tender subject right now. I'm not going to get into that, but uh, yeah, we're we're working on that. Once we we know what our plan is for our banquet, then you know we're hoping to to be able to roll some things out and and raise some funds through some raffles too. So our our Rocky Mountain Bighorn raffle that we do is actually that's that we market for them and and and. Um, I don't know that we've got the flyer posted just yet on the on our Washington WSF website, but it will be coming soon. And it's a, those funds are dedicated for Rocky Mountain Bighorns here in the southeastern part of the state. So that's you know 100 to 150 thousand a year on average um, of really important revenue. Fantastic, sounds great, Glenn. I think you guys have got some of my money on some of those there. So uh, fantastic. Uh, so. Let's jump over to uh, a little bit of uh, some sheep sto- sheep hunting stories. Uh, Glenn, you're an established hunter. You've done a ton of stuff. You've got some really cool videos online. I um, think there's maybe a finaz or two under your hat. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about – so you, you talked a little bit about your first sheep hunt. Um, you know, you've killed some sheep over the years. You've guided a lot of guys. have been on some pretty amazing hunts. Is there any one hunt that is the most important or stands out as – a really, you know, a pivotal hunt for you? Oh, I, I like, you know, they're all really special. And, um, and I, I love, I love planning and preparing for a sheep hunt. Um, I, I think probably the one that was the most unique is my desert. So just briefly, I drew that Rocky tag in 95. And then, uh, then I made the best financial decision of my life and booked a stone sheep hunt in British Columbia. And I, so I went up there in 1998. It was $12,500. Wow. And uh, w- which was a lot. I mean, I, I was whatever, five or six years into my teaching career at that time. But so I took a, I harvested a, a stone ram in, in 98. And I went to Alaska in 01 and was lucky to get in on a tremendous stall sheep hunt with Dan Montgomery up there. And then the very next year in 2002, I won the New Mexico State Bighorn Raffle. At that time, it was um, it, there was just one, and so the way it worked is whoever bought the auction tag got to choose. There was two rocky units and one desert unit, so the the auction hunter got to choose which one of those three they wanted, and then whatever was left, the raffle hunter could choose from. and And I was lucky that the person that bought the tag that year wanted to hunt rockies, and so I was able to choose the desert unit, which was Pelincios, and that was the only desert hunt open in New Mexico in two thousand and two. So two of my cousins, Earl Landris is the one that he was with me on my first hunt, and his brother Bob Landris and my brother Houston, and, and we went down to New Mexico and, and went on our own. And um, I, my cousin Earl and I went down in July and scouted. And, uh, you know, we actually went down because there was one landowner that they were taking all these rams, and I wanted to meet him face-to-face. And, uh, you know, I meet him, and so we, it's 20, it was a 29-hour drive from here to rodeo new mexico and i we track him down and he's i'll tell you the same thing i told fishing game no one's hunting sheep on my property i'm like ah great but anyway uh and then i I met the landowner to the north who was 
also a teacher and a basketball coach and I was coaching basketball and so we really hit it off and so he would he would um, keep me posted on sheep he was seeing and so that's where actually I took my ram on the, the second day of the season in October 2nd 2002 and the fun part was uh, a couple fun parts of it other than than taking a tremendous desert ram was um, I only bought one ticket so uh, I spent 20 bucks on my desert sheep it's funny because whenever I see Eric Rominger who's the uh, you know, head of Bighorn Sheep for New Mexico, he always tells me the, the auction tag that year sold for, for 157.5. And so whenever I see him at the sheep show, he's like, you owe me 157,480 bucks. <laughs> and I, and I uh, my response is I wouldn't give more than 20 bucks for one of your sheep, Eric. <laughs> but, uh, but also that tra tag still is transferable. So whoever wins the New Mexico raffle can sell it. And so within minutes of, of being contacted to let me know that I won, you know, I was called by an outfitter whose client was the backup bidder in Reno that year and, and spent a bunch of money on raffle tickets and wanted to hunt desert sheep, you know, wanted to buy it. And um, I, just, I didn't. I mean, I'm not very smart, um, but I wanted to hunt sheep. If I, if I wanted to win money, I'd have bought a lottery ticket. And I wanted to hunt desert sheep and... Um, and that's what we did. And so it was a really special hunt because we, you know, I, I started with, with my family and, and finished my finales with my family. And it was a grueling hunt down in the desert. We did it on our own. At the time, it was the biggest self-guided desert taken in New Mexico. Um, and, you know, we had a great time and some, just some fun stories that, that we still like to tell, you know, whatever, 18, 19 years later. So that one was really special. I mean, to finish my finales and, and it was a great desert ram officially scored over 174 and uh you know have my family there and have the chance to sell it i mean i kept that voucher to the very end you know just in case someone came in with with the mother load um but yeah it was it was a fun one i mean i flew down in august by myself you know and spent seven days rented it flew to tucson rented an suv and scouted down there by myself and fostered those relationships to get me some access and and we we ended up with a, a beautiful ram on the second day of the season that's pretty cool and that's a neat thing about these raffles right you know you need one ticket that's all you need right so you know a lot of these people you know they they don't like the odds or they're concerned about it but that's a classic example you hear that all the time too with our own raffles that you know a guy bought one ticket or a gal bought one ticket and they were a winner so that's a, a pretty cool thing when you know, you got a, a shot like that and uh, 20 bucks and you can go sheep hunting. So um, who did you hunt? Did you hunt for your stone sheep here in BC or was that a Yukon hunt, Glenn? No, it, it was in British Columbia in 1998. It, uh, it was Muncho Lake Outfitters. Okay. And now that's part of Art Thompson's area. Right. And uh, so, yeah, that's who we hunted with. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a great hunt. I got a 10-year-old ram on day five, I think it was. Uh, and cool a beautiful area and I was fortunate enough I kind of got in on a I don't want to really call it a cancellation hunt but in, in just in 2017 I went up and hunted uh, at Prophet Musquaw with Olmsteads so I, I took my second true stone uh, just three years ago and now I mean, you guys I just love Canada I mean I tell you what just I, I had a in, in 2014 I was supposed to go to Zimbabwe with one of our clients and film some hunts and in, in, with a week to go, he called me, and that was when he, 
Ebola, I think it was, or something, some disease was, was a big issue. So his wife wouldn't let him go. And he had this whole hunt paid for, including my airline ticket. So he said, if you want to go, go. And I went down there and I, you know, I love to hunt and, and, and stuff. Don't get me wrong. But, um, you know, the whole time I was there, I was asking myself, like, what am I, I'm not, I just don't go out and lay stuff down. I mean, that's just not me. And that's what Africa is. Uh, and, uh, you know, the whole time I was down in Zimbabwe, and it was super cool. The culture is amazing, and the different animals you see is amazing. But the whole time I was in Zimbabwe, I was like, what am I doing here? This is not me. And I'll tell you what, you guys are both Canadians. And every day that I'm, I've hunted the Yukon four times and British Columbia twice, I, I'm sitting there going, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm here. So uh, you guys, I'm super jealous of you guys, and, and I love that Northern Rockies, Yukon. I mean, I'd li love to be able to hunt NWT someday just to see that, but it's so very special and remote, and I love it. So I'm jealous. That's awesome, Glenn, for sure. Well, we love having you up here for sure, and uh, uh, pretty cool that you, you can come up. And so, you know, a lot of our listeners, uh, you know, and I get this quite often, you know, we see it on some of the social stuff. Guys are you know, and, and I've heard you talk about this before about, um, you know, you're a teacher and you go out and do these hunts. So, um, you know, a guy that wants to go and do his first sheep hunt, you know, a lot of the guys look at it and they go, oh man, like look at the price on these. Um, you know, do you have any advice for guys like that that want to go on their first hunt, obviously buy some raffle tickets, but you know, that's not a lock, but you know, any, any tips, like I know you mentioned cancellation hunts, that sort of stuff. So any of these guys that want to go out and do it, do you have any suggestions or thoughts on that? Yeah, I have a lot and I'm, I'm a terrible person to talk to because I'm never going to tell someone not to book a hunt, <laughs> you know, make it happen. And, you know, the funny thing, I was listening to Jack Atchison Jr.'s seminar last night and, and the analogy he used is, you know, in, in 1985, the cost of a stone sheep hunt was the same as a pickup. And in 2021, the cost of a stone sheep hunt is the cost of a pickup. And so it's all about priorities and where you want to spend your money. And, uh, and that's what I, I'd like to do with mine. And so if it's important enough to you, you can make it happen. You have to make some sacrifices. I mean, you know, whatever, whatever it is, as far as your hobbies go or whatever, you know, you just have to redirect that. And, you know, for me, my, my career, my teaching career pays for, you know, my, my house and, and all of those things. And, you know, the guiding money that I make on the side is what affords me the opportunities to go to British Columbia or the Yukon or whatever it might be. Uh, but just have to make it happen. They're never going to be cheaper. They're never going to be cheaper. I don't, you know, I let people like, oh, I think the economy is going to take a downturn and hunts are going to be cheap. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. When were they cheap? They were cheaper last year. <laughs> they're not going to be cheaper this year. Uh, so, you know, you, it, for each person, you have to look at, you know, your, your source of income and can you work extra hours? And I always say it's not how much you make, it's, it's how you spend it and where you spend it. And um, if you really want to do it, you can make it happen. And, you know, I don't know how many times, you know, on the end of that little rant, uh, how many more times I'm going to get to go to Canada. Uh, but I, I sure hope, you know, I'm looking at some other options. You know, my my hunting buddy and business partner, Brian Bailey, he wants he's trying to get me to go over somewhere and hunt Ibex or whatever. And and I just I just man, the Yukon and B.C., northern B.C., you guys just got I just love it. And there's some other beautiful places I've been. You know, I went to Mongolia with one of our clients once, and that was that was awesome and beautiful. But um, yeah, so how do you do it? Just you know, find find an outfit. You know, you can play the raffles in the meantime and get in all of those you can, and you don't have to spend a thousand bucks on them. Get your name in. You have a chance. You might get lucky, and then in the meantime, 
you know, just dedicate some funds, work some extra hours, rat hole some of that money, and, and get, get a hunt booked. And if it's really important to you, uh, you can make it happen. That's, that's my opinion. Yeah, great advice for sure, Glenn. Uh, so on that note, uh, you talked about future hunts for you. What do you got on the books? Um, anything for 21? And, uh, and do you have, you have anything down the road that you're looking that's a really a priority that you want to go and do? Yeah, the only thing I have booked, and it's in 21, is my hunting buddy from Savannah, Georgia, uh, Jason McKenzie. We've hunted the Yukon a couple times. We were actually on our way home uh, August of 19 from a doll sheep hunt up there with Dan Reynolds, and and we're just talking about, hey, what's next? What do we want to do? And so he and I are going to Alaska in October for brown bear. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna trespass out of the sheep pasture for a fall and. Uh, I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, so a good friend of mine is going to be our guide, Hank Flato, guides for for Dan Montgomery. Hank's the one that guided that 184 doll that was taken this last fall, and and so we're we're super excited about that. I, I really want to take one with my muzzleloader, and so we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, whatever. I mean, I also realize I need to I need to come home with a bear if if it's in the cards. So I'm not afraid to switch weapons or something. Yeah, good but, yeah yeah it's you know but you know they often they oftentimes get in relatively close and so so anyway jason and i and he's he's super fun to hunt with um it was awesome to be up there in the yukon with him in, in the fall of 19 that was his first sheep hunt and um if you want to interview someone everybody interviews people on podcasts about the right gear to take you need to interview a sheep hunter who took the wrong gear <laughs> uh, that that's where people are going to listen Cause he shows up and I'm just like, what are you doing? You didn't listen to anything that I said. There and so when you, yeah, <laughs> when you see him five days later and his, it looks like his feet were in a blender and he's burned his boots back at camp or in his backpack sucks. And I've got half his gear at my house cause he just left it there. He's like, I'm not even paying to fly this stuff home. So anyway, uh, I don't have a sheep hunt booked. Uh, I'm for sure planning. I mean, with my job and, and the scheduling of that, you know, I try and get something on the books every three or four years. So I, I don't know. I, I mean, I t and I'm, I talked a little bit about it. I mean, I, I was really fortunate and took a great Rocky and, and, um, the doll sheep I took in 01, uh, is a book, book Ram netted, officially netted 170 and five eighths. And then I got that, that, um, 174 desert. So I'm a, I'm about six inches shy of the 700 club. And I want to be the only teacher in the 700 club. <laughs> and uh, as a result, my retirement fund sucks. And I'm going to teach till I'm 90. Um, but uh, anyway, so I'm, I might have to make another trip up north. I, I watch any stone raffles I can and, you know, maybe go back to the Yukon. We'll see. And uh, anyway, so I, I hope to get another sheep hunt on the book. So everybody asks me, and I, I've taught for... 27 years now and so i'm at the point in my career where people are like well, how many more years are you going to teach and i and the, you guys I mean, the reason i'm telling this story is because i'm blaming you two for it because you guys Canadian reps on this podcast today and i tell them every time i go to canada i have to teach four more years <laughs> and I, i've hunted i've hunted in canada six times so i'll be here till i'm 80. <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious. Uh, just out of curiosity, what's your weak link? So, seven hundred club, you're six inches short. What? Uh, what's the weak link? Is it? It's the gray ram. Okay. Yeah, still. 
Yeah. So I've I've taken two true stones and I've taken two fannins. And my best is about one fifty nine. And cool. I don't know. I'll give her give her one more run, and you know it is what it is. But it's it's fun to have that. And, and to me, it doesn't really matter if I hit the seven hundred club or not. It's about some motivation to book another hunt and get in shape and cut some weight. And, and, you know, nobody, I always say, you know, you're t- it goes back to booking your fo- first sheep hunt um, question you asked me. Nobody sits around when they're 80 and says, gosh, I remember that really nice Chevy pickup I had when I was 22. Or you know, the super cool, you know, whatever, camper or snowmobile or whatever it might be. No one does that. They sit around and talk about, you know, remember when you had to, you burned your boots at sheep camp and you know, whatever it was, and you lost your camera here. You know, it's, it's all those hunting stories of what you remember. And, and so uh, I just need, I need, just need some motivation to go book another one. And to me, that's as good as it gets, right? Absolutely. That's fantastic, Glenn. Um, I was going to ask you. Um, okay, so on the Wild Sheep uh, Foundation front, um, <laughs> That's pretty loud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so on the Wild Sheep Foundation front, uh, you know, you're sitting on as the uh, vice chair of the foundation. You've been involved. You've been on the board for a number of years. Um, you know, and, and we get, as directors, we get some pretty good updates from our um, conservation staff. Um, how's the state of wild sheep just in general? How, how are we looking worldwide? And, and do you see anything uh, on the horizon that you're concerned about or anything that you're excited about? What are your thoughts there, Glenn? Well, I think, um, the, you know, what, what am I concerned about? You know, some of the things we've already talked about. So you can, you know, pick a state or province. We really have some of the same issues. There's some differences with predators. I think are more localized issues, et cetera, based on different laws in states and provinces, et cetera. But, you know, I think what I like about the Wild Sheep Foundation and what motivated me when I um, finished my tenure as president of Washington is we are not idle. So, I mean, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And uh, and our board, including yourself, you know, we're willing to take some risks and and we're motivated. We're not going to sit back and go, this worked two years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. We should still be doing it. Um, There's always a way to get better. And and I appreciate that about our leadership in gray. And, um, you know, our our, our chair, uh, Perry, is the same way. And I think she has the supporting cast and our staff. It's like if you have a good idea and uh, you know you've put some thought and some planning into it there's there's a way to make it happen if we think it's going to help wild sheep in north america or, or worldwide so I mean, we have a super passionate board and staff and leadership and you know that's probably a, a the general answer to a very specific question but i think that's what i'm most excited about is that we have we have the motivation and and the the willpower and the skill sets to take on whatever whatever's in front of us. We're, we're just not going to sit back. No one's on that board uh, because they like their name badge. I mean, everybody would take their name badge off and, and not wear it again. You know, no one cares about that. And so that's pretty exciting and motivating. Um, I may never draw another bighorn tag, right? I mean, that's the reality. Um, but, you know, hopefully we can do some great things everywhere so that other people have that opportunity. Yeah, well said, Glenn. And you talked about, you know, um, not not being stagnant. And it was pretty interesting. You know, our board discussions in the summertime were around, you know, do we look at a virtual um, venue? Uh, and, 
you know, of course, we're all reluctant because we wanted to be in person. We, and you know, you know, Gray right from the start was urging us, saying, "Hey, guys, we don't, um, we don't go on a, a sheep hunt without a backup plan. We we have a plan, um, and we're not going to sit around and and let the world dictate, and then we'll have to react, and it's going to be too late." And it was pretty interesting, you know, late fall. It was a bit of a, a stressful decision make a decision to make about what we were going to do with this virtual event because the argument was to some of our conservation friends in the conservation space they were planning in person events and uh, early on we're like okay well we're going to plan for this virtual thing um, and we're also going to plan for sheep show in Reno and uh, and at the end if we can't do sheep show in Reno we'll still have the virtual event. Um, but I know there was a lot of stress because we were at some point we committed to the virtual event and others had not canceled yet. And, uh, you know, there was discussion. What are our members going to say if, you know, there is a show, if, uh, you know, SCI or Dallas Safari Club or um, some of these other entities have shows and we don't, you know. So, you know, I, I, I really commend uh, our leadership on that. We, we got some really good advice. And I can tell you this week, nobody's regretting that decision right now. But I'll tell you, in the summer, it was a tough one to make or late fall, right? Um, we're all sitting there staring at each other going, you know what? Um, but we did the best we could, and we, we made a plan, and we went with it. And uh, I think it's paying dividends. And Sheep Weeks, for me, has been fantastic in day one and day two so far. So pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. Being able to see that platform yesterday, and we've seen samples of it, but it's really kind of hard to visualize and you're right, it was difficult. It was a super difficult decision. And, and some of the issues, I think it's important for all the listeners to know, some of the issues we're going to face this week are simply because we didn't have time. You know, it would be really easy, you know, as an example, to link registration and life member event together. We just didn't have time. I mean, that takes time to, to put that code together, et cetera. And um, I, I'm excited. The ability to connect, and I, I let off with that, you know, at the beginning of this podcast. It's going to be a little bit different, but it's the ability to connect with with those that are also passionate about wild sheep and wild sheep hunting. Um, that's the opportunity, probably the best one we're going to have this year until we get get over the hump in this COVID situation. Absolutely. So, you know, we've heard this said, said a lot in the last couple of months is, uh, you know, uh, wild sheep don't stop during a pandemic and neither are we. Um, so what could you say to our listeners? What can they do to support uh, the foundation and just wild sheep in general? What can they do to, as, uh, you know, as a listener to, to do things that are going to help the wild sheep uh, resource? Well, there's a great educational opportunity. If you're not sure what you can do to help wild sheep, then get registered and get involved with Sheep Week right now. Uh, there's some great seminars and programs going on and, and ability to connect. And so join Wild Sheep Foundation. Again, go to sheepweek.org for everything this week, and then beyond that, you can join. Go go online and join, and then I'll, I'll, you know, join your local. Find find who's nearest you in terms of a local, state chapter and affiliate, and get involved with with them as well. I think that's important. Um, but right now, it's Sheep Week, and if you want to see the best of the best, and uh, you know, get in there, pay that fifty dollars registration fee. You're in for a desert hunt, an awesome desert hunt. If you don't want it, send it to me. I'll take it. Um, you know, the, my desert sheep at home is super lonely, so um, he could use it another uh, desert buddy. But, uh, yeah, just get involved, get get in there, get registered, check out the platform, and uh, it's it's industry-leading in my opinion. Yeah, well said, Glenn. Totally agree. Well, hey, I just want to thank you for taking the time to talk to us today, and uh, but on a much bigger scale for all you do for wild sheep conservation. Uh, 
you're a great leader in our community. Super thankful to have you as a friend and certainly uh, as our uh, vice chair of the foundation, just pleasure to, to work with you on uh, wild sheep issues and in, in uh, the, through the foundation and all the work you've done. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, kudos to you guys at Wild Sheep Society of BC, our friends to the north. Uh, you guys are doing just some amazing things across all fronts. You guys are engaged in, in all aspects of wild sheep conservation and, and membership development and growth. And uh, you guys are a great example for other chapters and affiliates as well. And, and just raise me one more big stone sheep, please, please. I'll be, I'll be good. I'll behave myself. <laughs> I think there's a few out there still. I think we get, we got a few that you, yeah, yeah. Just got to come up and get go get after them for sure. So, yes, sir, will do. Fantastic. Well, um, we'll call it a day, Glenn. Thanks. I know you're taking time out of your work uh, day to be here with us. Thanks very much, and we'll see you online at uh, Sheep Show. That's right, SheepWeek.org. Get on there. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Kyle. All right. Have a great day.